On June 21st, 2021, Texas and Tennessee were tied at four in the top of the fourth inning of a win-or-go-home game in the College World Series in Omaha, Texas. Enter Tanner Witt to pitch for the Horns. What followed was a masterful outing. Five and two-thirds innings, zero earned runs, just three hits allowed as Texas kept its season alive. We are so lucky to have Tanner back with us here on the pod today. Tanner, thanks so much for coming on. Of course, Liam. Thanks for having me, man. It's always a treat being on here. Yeah, so first thing I want to ask, how are you doing? I mean, obviously a few months removed from Tommy John, which no secret is strenuous to come back from. So how are you doing both emotionally and physically? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm staying positive. Um, you know, I think that's the hardest thing. Uh, it's just to stay positive. You know, you're out from the game for so long. Um, I didn't mean to casually show my scar there, but <laughs> got my scar. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's going good, staying positive. Uh, it's definitely boring at times. Um, hard to see progress just because it's such tedious little stuff. Um, but it's going good, staying positive, small victories. Um, it's all you can do. Trust the process. Yes, indeed. And when you look at major leaguers who have come back from Tommy John Verlander, obviously is a good example. What do you draw from that? You know, I mean, Verlander's 39 years old, you know, I mean, and if he's coming back from that at that age and he's coming back like he is like almost stronger, um, you know, it's crazy what they can do with, with surgeries nowadays. Um, Obviously I'm blessed to be blessed to have, it's never good to have an injury, but in this era now, what they can do uh, medically is just, it's so far in advance. Um, so it's almost a blessing. I guess you can look at it. Um, newish elbow. Um, mm-hmm. that's how I try to look at it, you know, try to take the positives away from everything, not the negatives. So, um, it's, uh, it's definitely good to see all those guys that have come back and come back stronger. Um, it's really good to see that. Uh, for reference, Verlander 39, Tanner Witt hasn't hit 20 yet. His birthday is coming up though, unless I'm mistaken. Am I wrong? Oh, no, you're right. Liam, Sometime- let's go. Come on, July 20? Mm. Drat. Close-ish. 11. 19? Dang it. 11. All right. All right, well, now I have no excuse to miss your birthday. So there you let's go. rewind back to your younger years. So I'm just wondering, when did you realize your love for baseball and desire to play at the highest level? Oof. I had to be young. You know, I don't, I don't remember a specific age. You know, I always kind of loved baseball. I grew up in the game. Um, it was always kind of my love and passion. I'm competitive, so I love sports in general. Um, but baseball was definitely always kind of my love and passion. You know, my dad played it. Um, so grow up watching him, you know, it was always, it was always fun. So it was, I always kind of loved the game, never lost the love for the game, still love it. Um, love to go out there and play, love to go out there and watch, just love the game in general. Um, love every aspect and always have. Yeah, you mentioned growing up in that baseball environment. Your dad played in the big leagues for a while and coached for the Miami Marlins. Your older brother, Preston, plays at Southwestern, a D3 school in Georgetown, Texas. So baseball has really been in your blood for your whole life, essentially. Right. No, it's 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 definitely been in my blood for as long as I can remember. Um, always played it, always loved it, um, and it's always been around me. So um, I'm definitely grateful for that. Yeah, and you mentioned, so obviously your family, big baseball, and you, your family is also close with one of the more popular baseball families in Houston, and that's the Cruz family. Dad, Jose Cruz Jr., currently the head coach at Rice, oldest son, Trey, in the Tiger system, and then 
Antonio currently plays at Rice, was drafted by the Astros back in 2018, but opted to take the collegiate route. So can you speak on your relationship with another really baseball-centric family? Yeah, no, it's awesome. Uh, they lived in Miami for growing up for most of the time, but they, when they moved over to Houston, we obviously were super close right away. Um, you know, always hanging out, always watching baseball, doing baseball, not doing baseball, just anything, just hanging out. Um, you know, they're a great family. We love them. And it's actually funny. We, we played uh, Rice our opening weekend this year before I got, before I got hurt. My first start this year, my first collegiate start ever was against Rice. And uh, of course, Chato was coaching um, and Antonio was in the lineup. So it was really, it was really crazy to, you know, have that first collegiate start against somebody that's so close to me. Um, it, it was, it was special. Yeah, and was there any sort of trash talk going on between you and Antonio before the game or heck even after? Not not any trash talk. I talked to him the day before, um, just catching up. Hadn't talked to him in a while. Um, but no trash talk. I mean, we had a little head nod, you know, when we're facing each other. I mean, it's hard to hold back the smiles, but we're both competitors, so we loved it. Yeah, I mean, I can hardly imagine. Now, so, and you and – you played with both the Cruises at one point, as in both Trey and Antonio, at Episcopal High School in Bel Air, Texas. So, and obviously, Big Bro Preston went there a year before you did as well. So, what had you heard about EHS and its baseball program coming in? Because that's ultimately where you molded into the player you are today. Right. No, definitely. I think that's that's um, that's a that was a big step in my career, um, big part in my career too. Uh, Coach Fox does a great job over there at Episcopal um, with the culture aspect. I think that's really what kind of what uh, excelled my career was one the culture aspect. You know, buying into not yourself but the guys around you, like making everybody better because that makes you better. Um, and then also the the mental aspect of the game. I mean, baseball is eighty percent mental, um, so having the ability to like take such pride in the mental game like coach Fox does. Um, I think that's what really helped my career take off right. the next level because I love the mental game. I love that side of the game. And, uh, you know, he took a big, big, uh, you know, part of his coaching was about the mental game. And I love that. Yeah. And that brings up a question that I wasn't originally going to ask, but based on what you said about the mental game, I'm now going to over the past few seasons in major league baseball specifically, there's been scandals with trash cans. There's been scandals with Apple watches. There's been scandals with sticky stuff. So what are your thoughts on sign stealing slash pitch tipping slash legally picking up sign stealing and the whole sticky stuff movement, given that it's something you may deal with down the line? Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think there's stuff that's forbidden and not allowed in the game, right? You know, obviously, you can't electronically steal signs like – that you can't do. But if a guy, if he's tipping his pitches, I mean, that's, that's been going on in the game for a while. I mean, before my dad played before, I mean, that's just been going on for a while. When a guy tips his pitches, I mean, you're giving him, you're giving the hitter answers. Right. But I think along the lines of the cheating scandals and the electronics and all this stuff, when you start to use that, I think it's, that's when you're starting to cross the line. Right. So, I mean, do you notice UT hitters, trying to legally pick up on pitches in the dugout when you're on the bench in between innings, or if you're just hanging out in the dugout on a day, you're not scheduled to pitch. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I think every team does. Um, every team's trying to pick up any advantage they can get. Um, and obviously, you know, if a pitcher's trying to, if he's tipping his pitches, 
that's only going to help us. Right. You know, right. so it's, if, if you can, there's a lot of stuff you can pick up. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, I mean, I'm not doing anything the days I don't pitch. So why not try to try to find, find out what they're doing or what the pitcher's doing to, to tip his signs and stuff like that. You know, it's always an edge, you know, trying to gain edge on your opponent, but you're trying to do it the right way too. Right. All right. Now back to your high school days really quickly. You talked about coach Fox. That's a baseball family right there too, because son Blake drafted by the Brewers, youngest son Tanner currently. Now Tanner is coach Fox's nephew, but you get the point I'm trying to make. Right. Yeah. No, I got you. Is a walk on at rice. So, I mean, can you speak on your relationship with that family too? Because with the crews and Foxes and your own family, that's quite the outside family, if you will, that's also loves baseball. Right, right. I think Coach Fox was the main reason we went to Episcopal. Um, you know, me and my family, we loved Coach Fox. We knew Coach Fox before Episcopal. Um, but he was one of he was one of the main reasons, just how how well he does with the kids on and off the field. I think that's important too, is off the field, he really buys into you. Um but I think that relationship with that family, you know, I didn't know Blake or Tanner until I got to Episcopal. And then once I started to know him, you know, it was, I mean, it was, it's a special relationship, especially with all those guys being in Houston, you know, knowing those guys, the connections, um, you know, it's really, it really is special. Right now, last thing about playing at Episcopal, all three years, there was an SBC title game. You played in them. You even had a walkout hit in one of them. And I will go to the grave thinking that if coronavirus does not happen, that because you play in the fourth and you win the fourth rather easily. I mean, you, your team was meshing on all cylinders before the pandemic hit. So what did you take away from those title games? Yeah, you know, I think playing in those big environments is, uh, is big, especially in a career where you're trying to play at the biggest stage. Um, you know, every, every level you get to, the game speeds up a little bit. Um, and especially in those big games like that, the game only speeds up a little bit more. And you can kind of tell the – the good ones or the great ones separate themselves from the good ones when they can kind of slow the game down when it starts to speed up. Um, so I think it playing in those games really helped me um, kind of slow the game down when it starts right. to speed up. Um, Cause once you get to the college level, it speeds up. Once you get to the pro ball, pro ball level, it speeds up. And then obviously the big leagues, it's as fast as it's going to get. So yeah, um, I think playing in those big games, one, it's awesome, you know, and playing, playing for your school, in front of all your fans, all your, your, your classmates, you know, playing with your teammates in the last game of the year. Like it's special to play in that game, but I think also for your career, it is, uh, it's also special too. I can count on that. Now you outside of Episcopal throughout high school, you were all over national showcases on the 15 new national teams, summer of 17. Was that, so was that your first taste of playing against like, the real higher up competition? And if yes, what was that like? Yeah, I think I'd say that was probably the first time I played nationally against the real life competition, I guess you could say. Um, I was kind of a guy that didn't really travel around for baseball a whole lot. I played mostly local like Houston, just Texas tournaments. Um, and then 15U, uh, we traveled to um, the Florida USA tournament. And um, that's when they saw the USCA team saw me and offered me to come to the, uh, the trials, the 15 U trials. And, um, and then from there, I, I played on the 15 U national team, did a couple of the NTDPs and then played on, or 
went to the 18U uh, PDP league and went to the trials for that team. Um, so I'd say the 15U team was probably the first experience I got with that. Um, and, you know, it's playing with those guys, not only get your competition level like a little bit higher, but also learning from them. Um, you can learn a lot from those guys, even those co- sure. those coaches too. I mean, they've, they've seen all these guys come through, like they know what it looks like the right way and the wrong way. Um, so being able to learn from those guys and the coaches was uh, definitely helped me a lot. Yeah, I'm sure. And fast forward two summers, all American game held at Wrigley field in Chicago, Illinois. I see the smile on your face already. Just, what was that experience like? It's one of the most historic fields in the world, let alone America. I can imagine that was an experience you'll never forget. Oh, it, it was unbelievable. Just thinking about all the guys that have came through and played on that field, and I'm standing there taking BP on that field. You know, it, it really was like a, a out-of-body experience almost. Like, it, it, was, it, it was crazy to be on the field taking BP where, you know, the greats have played there. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and did you hit one out during BP? I was I was in the home run derby, Liam. Come on. <laughs> well, I only, I only got I only got a few. Wind was blowing well, in. It was a tough day to get them out, but well, I was in the home run derby. I got them out. Well, that's one more home run than I'll ever hit at Wrigley Field. <laughs> but I mean, if you, if you saw my baseball skills on third grade machine pitch, you'd understand why. Right. <laughs> hey, Real quick, want to jump away from the interview esque portion of this to talk. The Red Sox and Cubs are playing at Wrigley for the first time this weekend. So as a prospective pro, how awesome is it to see these historic franchises going at it at a historic park when it really doesn't happen that often? Because I'm giddy just talking about it. I know, Liam. I know you are. You and your Red Sox. Um, no, it is special. Like you said, the, the, the two historic franchises, you know, don't get to see each other a lot and they're getting to to play at a historic field, um, you know, like we were just talking about all the greats that have come through that field. Now we get to see two of the greatest franchises in baseball play against each other at that field. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, these two franchises were on the wrong side of history for 86 and 108 <laughs> years, respectively. I mean, it felt like the world was going to blow up when – these teams, you know, won the World Series back in 04. I mean, you we weren't old enough to remember, but I remember it was going absolutely nuts back in 2016 when the Cubs won it. And now they played at Fenway in 17, the year after the Cubs won. To see them play at Wrigley is just – it's going to be absolutely surreal because it doesn't happen enough. Right, and especially for you, man. That's your, that's your Red Sox, man, to yeah, see no, that. I mean – Hey, they're looking good right now, but hey, I hear they need a a right-handed bullpen arm. You got any openings over the next few months? Hey, man, I'm uh, I'm left-handed right now. I've reverted the left hand for the next yearish, so yeah, I'm getting pretty All good right. with it. Getting pretty good. Oh, are you really? Yeah, so, man. Have you I'm taken inspiration? Good. Have you taken inspiration from that? Uh, I'm blanking on his name, but that prospect who can pitch with both hands. No. No, I don't think I'm going to get there. I just want to be able to throw strikes with my left hand. That's all. <laughs> I don't care about throwing hard, as hard as he does. How close are you to doing that? I'm getting there. I can control the ball a little bit more. Now, all the way from the mound and controlling it, that's a little bit different story. But I can control it pretty good. Not a boy. Not a boy. We yeah. love that. Yeah, okay. yeah. Fine. So, let's flash back to 
December of 2018. I remember exactly where I was when I saw it happen. We were, I was in Washington, D.C. with our high school basketball team. And I open Instagram and I see your commitment post announcing the University of Texas. And I announce it to the room and everyone's jumping for joy. So when it came down to the recruiting process, what put the 50 acres over the hump from everything else? Because I know you are fourth generation Longhorn too. Correct. Correct. Yeah. No, I mean, burnt orange is in my blood, you know, growing up with it, growing up, going to games. Um, but I did keep my options open through the process. Um, I wanted to do that throughout the whole process. Um, I wanted to move slow with it. Um, Cause you know, guys are committing before they even play high school baseball. And I mean, at that age, you don't know what you want to do. Right. I mean, it's a big commitment. So I wanted to make sure whatever I decided, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then ultimately it came down to, to three schools. My last three schools were TCU, Baylor, and Texas. I knew I wanted to stay in Texas. Um, but then at the end of the day, you know, playing in Austin in front of that atmosphere, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable. And the guys there are great. Coaches are great. Like it's, it, it, it's been an unbelievable experience. Right. So, so in the summer of 2020, it was obviously different for a lot of reasons. COVID, we'll get into that in a minute, but the social justice movement took a big stand after George Floyd's murder. That's when things really started to pick up. I remember you texted the senior group me saying we need to make a stand at our high school's COVID, COVID safe graduation. So I, so I want to ask what or how are you trying to use your platform as a star pitcher on Texas to bring change for the better into our society? Right. You know, I think obviously in our world nowadays, there's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of hate thrown around, like a lot of a lot of bad things going around. And, uh, you know, obviously we have platforms that we can use. Um, and, you know, some people use it the right way. Some people use it the wrong way. Um, you know, I just hope to do whatever I can to help. Um, you know, I will I obviously hope to have a platform. Got to get there first. Um, but hope to have a platform that I have the ability to help. Right. So, and bringing on this, bringing it back to COVID and how it's being different. Your first person, your first season at UT was 2021 where COVID was starting to dwindle, but it definitely was not away yet. Heck it still isn't fully away today. So what did you learn from working through hopefully the toughest season ever on some levels? I learned that two COVID tests a week isn't really fun. Um, <laughs> that, that was no fun. I had to wake up pretty early to get it done, too. Um, but, no, I think it's a lot of discipline. Um, I think that's, that's what really helped our team that year, too. Um, it, was a lot, it was a lot of discipline within the team. Because, um, obviously, I mean, we had to kind of bubble ourselves from everybody else. Um, and for a lot of older guys – who aren't used to that they're used to being able to go like hang out with their friends go do this go do that like they're used to being able to do stuff um but I think one it teaches it taught kind of discipline to our team like hey like the season's for us like we got to like buy into it we can't be going doing all this stuff and two I think it helped with our chemistry too um because we were the only guys we could hang out with. it was just the team really oh, it ended up kind of being a little bit better um but for a while there it was just us um so we grew really close to each other and I've you know obviously have relationships in that 
time that, you know, I'll have for the rest of my life. So it was, uh, there was a lot of bad things that came out of COVID for sure. Um, but you know, I'm always trying to take the good in things. Um, and you know, the relationships that I got through throughout that time, um, you know, I'll cherish the rest of my life. Yeah. Very interesting. So you mentioned the close relationships. Is there slash was there an upperclassman on the Texas roster that you kind of saw as a mentor throughout your gelling with the program? Or is it more of a whole team bonding type deal? I think it was a, a more of a whole team, honestly. You know, we all bought into the team aspect. Um, you know, obviously there's guys that, you know, kind of I looked up to a little bit more. Um, those guys probably being Ty Madden one, he was a starter. I mean, that's what I want to do is start. He was the Friday night guy for us, you know, his first round pick, like all this stuff. So, you know, I looked up to him and he always came, like sought me out, like wanted to give me like information, help me anyway. Um, and then Cole Kinsonia was another older guy. You know, I was in the bullpen my freshman year. He's been in the, he was in the bullpen his whole career at Texas, you know, so he, he, um, he kind of helped me th navigate through that, like the, the, um, the routines weekly, like all that stuff, you know, he really helped me with that too. So Ty and Cole were probably the two biggest guys um, that year because they were one of the older guys in the team too. Um, but it really was a, a whole team. Like we all bought into the team aspect. Um, and I think that's when you really get the best team you're going to get is when they really buy into the team and not themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So in your debut against Arkansas, electric stuff, five outs recorded, five punch outs, no runs allowed. So what was going through your head as you were on the mound and strutting off it after you were done? How was you had to have been feeling giddy? Yeah, you know, I was I was feeling good, but I was also really tired after the jog from I never made a jog in from the bullpen out in the outfield. I never done that. I was I was asking my strength coach, who's our bullpen coach out in the bullpen. He stands with us and that's the walkie talkie. I was talking to him because he pitched in college. I was like, hey, coach, um, do I run fast? Do I run slow? Like, like, what's the pace I should be at? Like, I was kind of, I was more nervous for the run than anything else. Um, I got to the mound. It was that globe life. It's a, it's a big park. So yeah. running out there from the outfield was a, it was a long way. Um, so once I got that out of the way, then I got my warm up pitches out of the way. Then honestly, it was kind of like MLB the show in a way. Um, like the muffled voices in the background. You know, I heard my mom. She's louder than everybody there. Um, that was the only voice I heard in the whole ballpark. Um, but you know, I mean, other than that, it's just pitching, like go out there and have fun, man. Like that's all I was doing. I, you know, luckily was really trying. I, I ended, up, ended up learning not to go for the strikeout every at bat because your pitch count gets really high. Um, but you know, that outing at work. So we'll go with that. All right. So first of all, that brings up an interesting point. So have you, settled on a pace for your jogging from the bullpen and could you do one of the cross-country workouts I did back in the day um I'll give you my first answer no I probably could not do the cross-country workouts that you did back in the day um you know I'm I'm more of a, a sprinter I like to think I'm not fast but you know I'm just more of a sprinter um but two Luckily, I don't have to do that jog anymore. Um, I did end up find I did up, end up finding a good pace um, towards the end of that year. But luckily, I've moved into the starting role now, so I do a little bit less jogging in from the bullpen and more from the dugout. It's a shorter jog; it's much better. Um, but I've got that one down for sure too. So 
so you definitely got to find your pace. Yeah, I can imagine it's something to sort of mesh with over time. Now, other than your debut, what was your favorite outing from your first regular season as a Longhorn? Oof. Um, I would say the regional, because um, that was the first time. Obviously, we had – I think it was – before the postseason, we only had 50% fans allowed in the stadium. So I never played in front of, you know, the, the Austin brings in a bunch of people, you know, that atmosphere is electric. And I never experienced that. So I think being able to experience that first outing with all, like the whole stands filled, going crazy, like that was probably my favorite outing if I had to pick one besides, you know, obviously my first. But getting the first one out of the way is, that experience is unbelievable. But I think having like seeing that crowd there, like watching that full the whole game, like the crowd roar when my team does something good, like it, it was crazy to watch. They were electric. Yeah, I mean, I can just imagine you talk about that being electric. What about Omaha? When you stepped onto the field for the first time, what was going through your head? You know, so I came in and it was winter go home. Um you know, Tristan had dealt all that year. Stevens, he had dealt all that year. And then his first bad outing of the year was in Omaha, you know? And, you know, we're all like, God, like what happened? What happened? And, I mean, at the end of the day, the dude the dude dealt all year. You know, he, he did us. He did the bullpen a favor. We didn't have to throw as much. But whenever he needed something, you know, we had to be there to pick him up. And, you know, that was my job was – I didn't know how long I was going to go. I had no idea. I didn't – might have been one inning, two innings. I had no idea. But I was going to go in there and, and, one, try to get out of that inning, uh, try to minimize the damage. And then, two, after that, go as long as they needed me. You know, it's winter, go home. Um, and then it ended up being the whole game. Um, but, you know, it's when you're when you're kind of in the zone, it's you don't even realize how long you're going. Like, it's almost like a, a repetitive cycle. Like, you go out, like, you reset throw the inning, come back in, they go out, you reset again. So it's like you haven't even thrown. Um, so I, that that was probably not the best I've thrown, but as a put, like having all three of my pitches, that was one of my better outings. So did that outing against Tennessee, five and two-thirds scoreless, putting your team on your back to keep the season alive, did that have a coming out party type feel? Uh, not really. Um, one, I wouldn't even say I didn't really put the team on my back. You know, we won eight to four, you know, so they scored a lot of runs offense did. Um, I would just say I came in at the right time and did my job. Um, my job all year was just to be the stopper. Like whenever, you know, it was kind of hitting the fan for us. Like I had to come in and stop it. Um, so, you know, I kind of take, I took pride in my job when I did that. Um, and I loved it. I loved coming in. I thrived in those situations. Um, you know, I've said that before in an interview, but, you know, I, I thrive whenever it's like do or die, win or go home, like that kind of stuff. That's what I love. Um, you know, it kind of just gets me going. Um, so, you know, I was just coming in trying to do my job. Tanner Witt loving the pressure right here. Is that something you sort of took away from the Omaha experience? Like that love of playing under the bright lights? No, oh, absolutely. I mean, you're always – Every level you get to, you're trying to – I'm honestly – like, my goal every year is try to win the last game of the year. Try to – like, try to be the last one standing, right? It doesn't matter about the individual stuff. Like, that stuff will come if you play good. But 
at the end of the day, you're trying to be the last team standing. Um, and to get to that stage, to get to Omaha, that's as close as you're going to get. Really, I mean, we were one game away. Um, if one hit goes our way, we're in the national championship. Um, you know, we lose to the uh, eventual eventual champs, um, and they were a great team. You know, they had uh, Tanner Allen at the top of their lineup, and that dude mashed all year. I mean, he just – he beat everybody. Like, it was him and Rowdy Jordan at the top. It was crazy. Um, and then they had Sims and Ben on the mound. I mean, they were they were a good team, but, you know, we were a good team too, and we gave them, we gave them a fight. And, you know, we had no regrets that year. Um, gave it all we had. We just came up a little short at the end of the year. Yeah, I do want to give a shout-out to one of those players on that Mississippi State team, Lane Forsythe, because he is a born brave, which is quite the transition because I want to ask about your Cape League experience because – after you wrapped up with Texas and then Team USA, you went to Cape Cod to pitch a few games for the Chatham Anglers, one of the most historic franchises in the entire Cape. So I want to ask you this. What was the recruiting process like, or how did you sort of get pulled into the eastern part of Cape Cod? Right. So I, I knew I wanted to go out to the Cape Cod, and, you know, that experience is, is unbelievable. I mean, everybody, everybody talks about it. It's a historically prestigious league. Um, and my experience was amazing. Um, as far as like the recruiting process, I wouldn't say there was much of a recruiting process. Um, the head coach of the anglers is Josh or Tom holiday. Tom holiday who's the Tom fa- holiday. Yeah. Tom holiday who's the father of Josh holiday who coaches at Oklahoma state and Tom, the head coach of the anglers is the, uh, commentator for the Oklahoma state games. And when we traveled to Oklahoma state and played them, I threw, I think I just do once there, um, but he liked what he saw. Um, and I think we had already had mutual friends. Um, so he reached out and asked if I wanted to come and I'm not going to turn that down, you know, opportunity to go to the Cape. Um, so, I mean, that's how it ended up happening. Um, you know, I loved my time in Chatham. It was awesome. Um, the league is awesome. The fans are awesome. Like it's an awesome league. Um, and I, you know, I loved it. Yeah, and what was it like playing in one of the best summer leagues in the country? I mean, heck, one in six MLB players is a Cape League alumni. Right. You know, there's a, there's a, even on the wall at our field um, over there in Chatham, like all the names that have come through there um, and every field you go to, all the names that have come through there. Um, you know, it is a prestigious league. And, uh, you know, having the opportunity to play in it um, was special. And, you know, it's something I'll never forget. Yeah, I mean, as someone who works for a Cape League team right now, I can just go ahead and say it's it's aw- it's awesome. It's unlike any other summer league you're going to get because of Absolutely. the Cape Cod vibes. All right, so this won't directly affect you because you will be gone by the time Texas is in the SEC. But what are your thoughts as a whole on conference realignment, good or bad for collegiate sports as a whole? You know, I think there's good and bad, obviously, with every move that happens. Um, there's good and bad um, for Texas. I mean, the SEC is not a bad conference to be in, not a bad conference to play in. Um, you know, it, obviously, like you said, it won't affect me as much. Um, but, you know, for the guys that, the, you know, I'm, I'm a Longhorn for life. I'm not a Longhorn for just four years. So I guess it will kind of affect me. Um but, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, wherever we go, it's still sports. Still got to play your sport. Um, might be a different opponent, but 
you're not focused on the opponent as much. Um, you try to stay with your team and focus on your team. Um, and then whoever's on the other side, you know, hopefully it just reaps the, not the benefit, but um, the opposite of that. Um, you know, hopefully you're beating down on them. Um, but it doesn't matter who it is, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I can imagine that mindset has to sort of be going through your head regardless of what part of the season you're in, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, obviously, you know, you have conference play. At Texas, we try – we focus on uh, five championships. We got the regular season title, the tournament title, regional, super regional, and then national title. Um, so, obviously, the conference title, you're only – matched up against so many teams um but at the end of the day we're not trying to focus on the team at the other side like i said you know big thing with us is you know we we're focused on us on ourselves um and we're trying not to worry about anything because you can get distracted from everything there's so many distraction distractions nowadays um so having the ability to really stay within yourself stay with your with your team and buy into them um it'll work out playing whoever's on the other side yeah, I'm sure. All right. So your sophomore season got off to a sparkling start, 14 strikeouts, 1.64 ERA over 11 innings. It's not too shabby. And then you discovered Tommy John was needed. So I want to ask what was going through your head before and during that surgery? I, I, I got to imagine it must've been difficult. It was definitely hard. You know, I think the hardest part of it was knowing that like the guys that are leaving this year, I won't play with them ever again. Um, not ever again, you know, obviously I could match up with them down the road, like anything could happen, but not being able to play with this team this year, because this, this team's only this, this team one time, um, or one year. So, um, you know, not being able to finish the season with them on the field, um, was definitely hard, but, you know, I tried to, cause it was so early in the year, I tried to stay as positive as I could, you know, try to help out at the field any way I could, you know, talk to guys, talk to because, I mean, like we said earlier, you know, baseball's 80% mental. So, um, you know, a lot of guys struggle with that aspect of it. So trying trying to help out any way I could, um, help the team win, you know, that was that was what I kind of bought into, uh, which helped kind of the, the, the um, like, when it happened and then a little bit after that, you know, that's what kind of helped me. Right. I, and let's talk about your recovery process. So – what sorts of exercises do trainers have you doing to get your arm back at Jave? I know obviously it's limited, but four months, correct me if I'm wrong, into the process. I mean, what have what have you been sort of revving up to? Liam, I'll tell you what, it's really boring. Um, <laughs> it's it's nothing really with the elbow, which is not frustrating, but it's like I feel like I need to get my elbow stronger, right? But the big thing with this recovery process is we're, we're trying to strengthen everything around the elbow. That way we're letting the elbow heal. So when we start to throw and do stuff like that, the elbow's not even working hard at all. Everything else is strong and ready. Um, that's what we've kind of been focused on. A lot of shoulder stuff. Um, my shoulder has been burning after rehab. Um, so it means it's working. Uh, but you know, I've been hitting shoulder pretty good. Um, legs, I started to get into, into a little bit more now that I can lift more weights. Um, and then a lot of core too. That's kind of been my 
I guess you could say focus. Um, my main focus has been kind of hip mobility. I've always been super tight and never been able to like work on it. Um, so I've really taken this, this downtime right now to like really work on my hip mobility um, and opening up those hips. Cause it's amazing when your hips open up, how much you can do down the mound, how much you can generate. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. And, Obviously not playing. So was it unique having a front row sort, seat of sorts for another Texas run to Omaha? Because even though you weren't playing, you were very much a part of it. Right. You know, I tried to do, like like I said earlier, I tried to do whatever I can to help the team. Um, and, you know, it's just watching the game, seeing stuff that happens. Um, you know, you learn a lot. Um, but, you know, it, it was, it was definitely um, still special to be able to, because, I mean, that offense that we had this year was unbelievable. I mean, being able to see Ivan Melendez hit balls as far as he the did. Hispanic from Titanic. The That's, a man right oh. there. That's the man right there. Oh, he he is the man. And he he's the real deal, too. That dude is uh, – he's got stupid pop. And, uh, you know, what he did so good this year was he matured as a hitter. Like, he was – he hit for average. Like, he hit high, and he's a power guy. Like, you never see that happen nowadays. So it really, it really was special to be able to watch guys like that. You know, our infield was – or our defense was unbelievable. You know, Silas behind the plate. Like, all those guys were unbelievable. All right, so I got a few more questions for you. So it, I don't expect you to have a definite answer of sorts, but if you do, great. If not, also great. So when do you hope to be ready to pitch again? That's a great question, Liam. I think it's a lot – so I was, I was confused. I thought we go on months. I guess we go on weeks. So that's something that I just found out, um, which is a little bit shorter, but not, not much. Short. It's, I'd say it's like two weeks shorter. Um, but sometime, I mean, I hope to be back, you know, at the end of the year, maybe just throwing um, out of the bullpen. Cause I probably won't be able to start at that time um, right away. Cause I got to build up. Um, so we'll see with the timing. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, you know, I'm just trying to take it one day at a time and, uh, and not really rush anything. I want to make sure I'm back. Cause a lot of guys you see rush and, you know, it, they have complications and they got to wait longer and it's just, it's a big whole ordeal. So, you know, I'm trying to take it day by day and you know, I try to get a little bit, a little bit better every day. And then whenever I'm ready, I'm ready. And yeah, because of this whole recovery process, I'm sure you were originally thinking 23, but now are you thinking getting drafted in 24 or is that still undecided? I would, I wouldn't even say I'm thinking about the draft right now. I'm trying, I'm trying to focus on this rehab and then show, show everybody that I'm back. And then whatever happens, happens, you know, it's, it's God's plan, whatever, whatever he wants to happen, you know, it'll, it'll play out the way it should. Um, but, you know, I'm just trying to focus on the rehab day by day for sure. All right. So, You've talked about this upcoming season. I'll get you out of here on this. What do you hope to accomplish in your baseball career? Like, what is the ultimate goal? You know, I hope I can be a role model for little kids, you know. Um, that was big for me, like, growing up, like, wanting to wear this jersey, wanting to play like this guy. Um, you know, like, just growing up, uh, idolizing guys. You know, I hope I can be that guy. And I can hope I can walk down the street and see a Tanner Witt jersey on a kid and, like, wants to be like me. Um, and someone that the parents want their kid to, like, model their life after. Um, 
you know, that's what I kind of get joy in, you know, like just spreading, spreading the love of the game. You know, it was, it was big for me growing up, the love of the game. Um, so trying to spread that um, would be huge for me. I mean, that's, that's my main goal. Obviously I want to want to get to the highest level. I want to want to be a really great player, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, it's just a game. Um, I love the game and I love the competitive aspect. I want to be better than anybody on the field. Um, but the, the side of spreading the love of the game, that's where I kind of get real joy. Well, there you have it. Hopefully future Boston Red Sox all-star Tanner Witt. Tanner, it's been a pleasure to having you back on. I'm sure this isn't the last time we will be doing an interview. So stay in touch, my friend, and I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, Liam. Appreciate you having me on and hopefully see you soon back on the podcast, man. Yes, sir. For Tanner Witt, I'm Liam Griffin. Instagram, Full Court Press Post, blah, Full Court Press Podcast. Twitter, Full CP Podcast. That's F-U-L-L-C-P Podcast. And if you want to be in Tanner's chair, you'll actually be debating with me, most likely. Get in contact with me. We'll make it happen. I will see you soon.